Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I always tell people, I said, tell me, tell me your schedule. And they'll go, well, you know, I go to work and I work nine to five and I come home, I'm exhausted. And so, you know, when am I going to start a business? I said, well, what about the other eight hour shift? Because that's what I did, right? I had to be able to work from eight to five in a normal job. And then I started working as a janitor because I worked my own hours in the middle of the night. But I worked eight to five and literally I'd come home, I'd get a bite to eat, and then I'd start my work at 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. And I'd go from 6.30 to 2 a.m. And I'd get another seven, eight hours in. And that's how I built everything in the beginning. That's honestly what's required. And to not do that is to cheat yourself. Because in the end, what we get will never make us happy. I don't care how many stars on your chart, how many Academy Awards, how much money you make. What makes us happy is progress. Progress equals happiness. If you're not growing, you're dying inside. If your relationship's not growing, it's dying. If your business is not growing, no business stays static. It's either growing or it's dying. If you're at that plateau, you're going down. You better do something right now. So the mindset has to be, this is the way I live going forward. I am a learning machine because we're living in a world where technology is changing so quickly, I got to stay ahead. And that makes people fulfilled because you become more. You're not just doing something because you have to or because you're trying to keep up. In business, every one of your readers or viewership in this case should really ask themselves the question, who am I at my core? Because we all have different gifts that we can give. And business, I think, you know, other than love, your labor is probably the most sacred gift you can give any human being because it's so much of your time, your energy, it's the essence of all you've developed in your life. If you look at it, there's three gifts you can give. There's the gift of a specific art, a skill set, an ability, a talent that you have. And many people are artists. They're not just artists like they paint. They have something that they're just so good at and then they start a business because they go, you know what? I can design better clothing than the person I work for. I can write better code. Of course, running a business is more than just the art of it, right? And most businesses are started by an artist and most businesses, you know, fail. So if you look at that, you'd say, if I'm an artist, I'm a struggle because I'm going to want to do my art. A great business person says, it doesn't matter what I care about. I can't fall in love with my product or service. I need to fall in love with my client and I got to constantly changing to meet their needs. Don't fall in love with your product or service. Fall in love with your ideal client. That's a different game. There's another type of person who's more of a manager leader, meaning their gift is not a specific skill set like selling or creating or something, it's managing people and processes and they love it, right? And it's their nature. When it's your nature, you tend to get good at it if you work at it, right? Because it's just who you are. You're reinforced for it. And then there's the entrepreneur. And everybody calls himself an entrepreneur, but there are people that are entrepreneurial and they're entrepreneurs. And an entrepreneur by nature is different. They love risk. They live risk. It's like Steve Wynn's a dear friend of mine, and he took me to Cal, and I saw this guy lose 30, no, $10 million, excuse me, in less than 30 minutes. And the guy got up and gave Steve a hug and said, oh, Mr. Wynn, you're incredible. He actually said, would you take a picture? And I'm used to hearing this, right? So I said, oh, sure. And he goes, no, would you take a picture of me with Mr. Wynn? And he just lost $10 million from him, right? That guy's an entrepreneur, right? You lose $10 million, oh, I'll just figure another way to earn it again, right? It's a different mindset. An entrepreneur is in it for the money. 
right? They might be up for other things too, but they do want to make money. The artist is not as committed to making money. They want to make money, but they want to do their art. They want to make that dress. They want to write that code. They want to do what they love. So if you're going to be a successful business person economically, you got to say, who am I and who do I need? If I'm a great artist, I probably need a good manager leader as a partner because they're going to help me build the organization and I can still do the art that people love and I'm going to just make sure my art is what they want not just what I want. If I'm going to grow and scale, who am I? If I'm a manager leader, I might want to tie in with a great entrepreneur because there's going to be something much greater I can be a part of and own a piece of potentially if I'm there. If I'm an entrepreneur, I'm looking for great artists because they're going to be the core of my business. I'm looking for great manager leaders. So you got to know who you are and who you need. At Inc., we, we pay a lot of attention to entrepreneurs, what they think, we survey them, we read other people's surveys, and one of the questions that comes up over and over again, we'll ask people who identify as entrepreneurs, what's your biggest challenge? Yes. Surprisingly, people will volunteer, um, I don't have the right idea, which fascinates me, because if you don't have the right idea, why are you identifying as an entrepreneur in the first place? Yeah. But but at the same time, I don't want to dismiss it. I'm trying to trying to understand, and I'm curious. When they say I don't have the right idea, the right idea to, to, succeed, to, to succeed, to build the business of my dream. You were uh, all about inspiring people and getting people to dig inside themselves. So where do those good ideas come from? Where should these people turn to find those right ideas? You know, Steve Jobs used to say the best ideas are stolen. Because, <laughs> you know, he didn't create the mouse. You know, the Apple came, he went to Xerox, right? And they built the mouse, they built that interface. He just went out and basically stole it, right? I would say, you know, Starbucks was modeled, right? Churchill's overseas, he sees this incredible situation in Italy and says, wow, this could translate so well. Let's just take this back here to Seattle. You don't have to be the originator of an idea. You can see a model that works and just execute better than someone else or see something that works one place and bring it to where it's not. The idea that you have to be an original thinker I consider myself to have a lot of original thoughts, but I also believe, holy cow, I stand on the shoulders of so many people that I've learned throughout the years that I've, I've forgotten half of where it's come from because I've read so much, learned so much, interviewed so many people. The ideas come from A, looking for them, I'm being obsessed to find them, saying, I, and being clear about what you're looking for. I'm looking for something that's gonna change lives in this way or that I'm really passionate about in this subject and that I really believe can have a margin. So I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is it's all about creating the right questions. So I tell people, if you want to create innovation in your organization, if you try to do it like once a year rain dance, it never works. You got to train your people in a different way. And the way I do it in all my companies, and the way we've grown so much is, I am always bringing new voices to the table. New voices come up with new conversations, come up with new decisions, new ideas. So I met a multi-billionaire many years ago, now a good friend of mine, a very private man. And I asked the most important aspect of growing his business as he said, every single year, I bring somebody new to the C-suite. Every single year. And he said, and the reason is, new blood has fresh thinking. They have a fresh voice. They have a fresh perspective. And they shake things up a little bit. And he said, and I get somebody off the team. You know, he, he does the GE approach to things very often in that area, right? Then the second piece, though, is if you're getting those new voices, you want new conversations, you need to ask new questions. And you know, one of the questions I teach business to ask is, what business are you in? What business are you really in? And I got that from Mark Benioff because Steve Jobs mentored him. And he shared with him that when he took over Apple after the debacle, right, they were near bankruptcy. The first question he asked him was, what business are you in? They all said the computer business. He said, if that's true, we're in deep trouble. 
fact, it's not even called it, Apple it, Computer. It's not it's just Apple, right? And what he said is, they, they worked in it over the years, and at one stage early on, they said, we're in the business of giving people, of connecting people to their passions. And we do it artfully, we do it beautifully, we do it in a way that works. And connecting their passions led them to music, which became the transformation of Apple, right? iTunes, and, and then that led to phone. I mean, Apple's a phone company now. If they'd stand Apple Computer, they would not be one of the richest companies in the history of the world. It's when they expanded and increased what their real core business was. So new questions, new voices, new experiments. Twitter was an experiment. It sounded like an idiotic idea, a couple guys on the side doing a project, and it blew up. characters. Yeah, and I, who wants to do that? What, what am I going to do that for? Who's going to care? Took off and over the way. you got to try experiments. Most aren't going to work. And I think that uh, if you try new experience, you get new voices, you're asking new questions, you're going to stimulate new answers. But most people do the same thing. And also, when you start saying, I don't have the idea, and you believe I don't have the right ideas, you don't even look for them anymore, right? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. One of the other things that you've said that intrigues me is that people running a business actually need to be running two businesses. Yes. There's, the, there's the business that you're operating today, yes. and there's the business that you're becoming. That's so and, critical. And, and, I, and I think of our, you know, again, Inc.'s readers and, and Inc.com's um, viewers, we talk to them and they can barely run the one. You know, it's it's know. it's all they can do to get up at five in the morning and work till you know one in the morning and, and raise a family. And so, how do you do that? How do you plan for that? What is in essence a second business, Apple well, two point Yeah, it, I, it's the most important thing I teach all of my employees, all my leaders, and all my companies. It's like most people want to do the new business, but if you don't take care of the business you have, you got a real problem. And then other people are just like totally focused on this business and not anticipating where you got to go. The way you do it really, truly, effectively is you've got to develop a system where once a week you spend at least 90 minutes with your team. Your team might be an army of two. Your team might be an army of 20,000. But where you work on the business, not in the business. And you take each stage of the business, you put focus on it, because what most businesses do, if you're really good at marketing, that's what you do lots of, and it keeps you going, and then you get bit on the employee side, or you get bit on HR, or you get bit on accounting, or you get bit on sales, right? or you're really good on innovation, you're innovating so much you're going broke and you're not able to produce the level of sales. And that 90 minutes will allow you to work on the business you're in and the business you're becoming. But if you don't do that, you're always reacting. And I always tell people, losers react, leaders anticipate. In the last few years, I think there's been a, a kind of flux in the way that people think about failure. In Silicon Valley, arguably, almost a cult of failure. There's this idea that fail faster, iterate. fail smarter, iterate, fail, launch again. At times it seems excessive. And, and also it's a, it's a little weird to sort of say to people, like, go out there and fail. You know, it's a little strange. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think about, you know, what is the right level of failure? What, how, <laughs> how, how should someone who wants to be successful think about failure? Well, how should they think about failure? Yeah. It's, they've got to look at it as learning. I mean anyone who was incredibly successful has failed more than other people you just don't see it because they got back up so fast and they learned from it right that's really how it is uh, the fastest way to avoid failure is not to learn by your own experience but to learn by other people's experiences right the way i believe in compressing decades into days and the way you do that is modeling once again finding someone who is the most successful in the world it's taken 20 30 years and digging in and figuring out what is the core essence of what's made them successful. What are the failures they had, what they learned from them so you can avoid them. So 
But the other part is you also have to know that success is buried on the other side of failure. It's buried on the other side of frustration. It's buried on the other side of conflict. And so you have to see this as part of the natural evolution. Peter Goober's a dear friend of mine. He owns the NBA Warriors. He took them from last place to, you know, champions last year. Yeah, not a bad season so far. Yeah, not so bad this year. I mean, Curry's unbelievable. He told me a story about his life early on. He told me that when he was just a kid, there was a, a neighbor kid who uh, had major physical deformities and, and potentially mental ones. And he saw one day his dad take him out, put him on this long bike with these two like mini training wheels. And he put the kid on this thing who could barely walk and he shoved him. And the kid went for a little bit and just crashed. Wow. And when he crashed and started to cry, the fathers got up and walked away. Oh, and, and Peter said he was so mad at this man. And he said, this would go on like every morning. And, and Peter would be looking at his window and he went and told his mom. And he said, you gotta do something. He's abusing this poor boy. An interesting thing happened, he said. His mom said, stay out of their business. And one day, Peter's looking out the window before he's gonna go to school. And he sees the kid out there and the dad shoves him. And the kid goes and goes and goes. He's about to fall over. He goes and goes and goes and goes. And he finally crashes, but he went on forever. And all of a sudden, he turns around and he looks at his dad. And his dad's like going like crazy like this. And Peter said in that moment, he made a decision. He said, you know, all failure is, is it's, it's a speed bump on the way to success. And that man's great gift was he didn't baby his son. He got his son to do this. And he said, Tony, years later, I'm the chairman of, of Columbia Pictures. And I think he was 34 years old. And he was picked over a man that was 55 and a war hero and was very respected. And so there's this conflict. And the first movie Peter made, they screened it and it was terrible. Right. And these horrible reviews. And the guy walked up and said, are you scared? And Peter looked at him and said, I really am. But it won't stop me. He said, let me tell you a story. And he told him a story about this little boy. He said, you know what I learned? He said, I learned that as long as you keep getting back up, failure is just a speed bump to success and nothing's going to stop me in this job or anything else I do. And he said, the story brought a tear to this man's eyes. He related to it in so many ways in his own life. And he said, he went from his adversary to his ally from that day forward. So I really think we're all afraid to fail, but it's the only way to learn sometimes. I mean, when people succeed, they tend to party. When you fail, you tend to ponder. And then the pondering is when you usually get the growth, the insight, the strategy that'll change your business, that'll change your personal life, that'll change your finances. And so I think, I, I don't vote for failure for anybody, but to think you're not gonna experience it is absurd. The way to not experience it is to turn into learning. The person that can go through failure like butter and it doesn't stop them, they just change their approach, change their, I mean, how long will you give your average child to learn how to walk? You know, before you shut him off and said, you're not a walker. <laughs> People go, what are you crazy? My kids are going to keep trying until he or she, you know, is a walker. Well, that's why almost everybody walks. Right. But singing, how many people sing? Small amount. Because someone says, you're, what are you, that, what's that noise you're making? Stop that, that. You're not a singer. Well, once you decide that, you stop trying. Failure is only when you permanently give up. If you learn anything and you apply what you've learned, failure is a stepping stone.